Let me just see if this is recording. Blah, 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 blah. Do you want to say something? Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> <laughs> Off in the midst of nothingness and unknowing. Follow the compass light my heart is showing. podcast. My name is Kaylin Otto and you're listening to We'll Work for Food. So I don't have any major updates for you except that I'm back home and Amani's here. Hey everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little shout out from Intuit Hugh. Was there anything you'd like to say? Um, You should definitely check out my YouTube. Maybe we can link um, in the podcast and you can check it out. It's a lot of spirituality, art, and healing. Yes. Okay. All right. So this podcast is not that popular yet, but maybe a few people will check it out. <laughs> Soon. Doesn't mean it won't be. So yeah, my biggest update is that I'm back home and I've now noticed that I've traveled across the United States twice with little to no money. So I'm pretty excited about that when I think about that. little proud of myself. But I wanted to get right into this week's interview because it's with someone that I just admire so much, and her name is Nicole. And actually, Nicole's story is going to be broken up into two podcast episodes. So not next week, but the week after, because I'm going to be doing bi-weekly episodes, you can check the second part um, of Nicole's story. And actually, it's like, not juicier, but it's a really juicy, like, spicier part of the story. So that'll be really fun to listen to. And usually I say that I'm going to get right into it and I keep talking, but I'm not going to do that this time. So here's Nicole. All right. Okay. All right. So thank you so much for letting me interview you um, and stay with you. Yeah, of course. I was really excited when you said yes because I was thinking about it today. Can you tell everyone your name and three items to describe you? We're just going to get right into it. Okay. Um, My name is Nicole Arnold, 
and I live in Chicago, Illinois at the moment. Um, Kaylin is here because she's on an adventure across the country, <laughs> and she po- made a post on Facebook asking if any of her friends lived in Chicago, and I got so excited when I saw that. <laughs> And I think Facebook, like, automatically moved it up to the top of my feed because oh, it had nice. the word Chicago in it. And, yeah. And, like, my location is in Chicago. So I got super excited when I saw that. And I was like, man, I hope she doesn't have a place to stay yet because I want a hoster. <laughs> hope she's wandering around on the streets. <laughs> I hope she doesn't have a host yet because I want to host her. Yeah. So oh, I'm really so happy awesome. that you're with me. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. So three things the three items that would describe me. Yes. The first one that automatically came to mind is my bike. Yep. Um, because I'm just so attached to it. It's my baby. I was telling you earlier that when I go out of town, I lock my bike up and yeah. I, I keep my bike inside my apartment. So <laughs> like it should be safe. Yeah. But just in case anybody breaks in in the middle of the night, I like to keep it locked up because it is the only thing in my apartment that I would really, really be upset if it got stolen. Right. Are you locking it to something or are you just putting, I'm looking at your bike right now, but do you just put a lock on it or do you lock it to something? Also? I wrap the cable around the front, the back tire and around the frame. And then I use the U-lock to lock the cable to the front tire in the frame oh nice so nobody can roll it away I mean yeah they could theoretically lift it up and carry it out right. but I don't know it would be a lot that. of work yeah and it would probably make some noise hitting the wall yeah definitely out. I would put it right so, next to the tv so people would go for the tv yeah. first if it were more convenient I would lock it to something but it's on a wall where there's just a window and an ac unit so there's not really anything to lock it to right But that's definitely the first thing. And why would you pick that one? I know you said it's your baby, but how does it represent you? Which will definitely lead, I know, but this is for other people, which will definitely lead into the conversation later. Yeah, so uh, last summer, summer of 2016, I biked across the country. Mm -hmm. um, And I bought this bike for that trip to bike across the country. And I bought it with the intention of using it for the bike trip, and then selling it afterwards and buying a road bike because Mm -hmm. prior to this bike trip, I was really into road biking. But I, I don't know, spending 71 days on a saddle every single day um, and essentially living off your bike and having your bike be your home, it makes, made me really attached to it. So it's, yeah, it's something that's very near and dear to me. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing would be my yoga mat. Okay. Because I practice yoga pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I practice Bikram um, at a studio that's right around the corner from my apartment. And I absolutely love it. I love the type of yoga. I love the way it makes me feel. Um, and I'm a very busy person, so yeah. it's like the one time during my day when I can just not think about anything. Right, and <laughs> or, just kind of go with it. Yeah, just relax and think about nothing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I love everybody at the studio, and I go at the same time every night, so we have like a clan of people. Yeah. The, the group <laughs> that goes every night that knows each other, and it's really great. It's a great community to be right. a part of. 
And how does, um, how does yoga usually make you feel? I know it's so different for all of us and it depends on what practice and what day it is, but do you have a general feeling or sense that you get when you think of your yoga mat and going to yoga? I feel more in touch with my body. Mm -hmm. Um, just knowing what my body is capable of is really good. And I remember when I first started practicing Bikram, you know, like the first few classes, you feel like you're going to die. Yeah, just so everyone knows, it's hot. It's, it's like hot. a heated class. It's The studio that I go to, it's 105 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's 90 minutes. I'm not sure what percent of humidity it is, but it's it's really high. Yeah. So this is from the second you walk in, you're pretty much dripping the entire class. Right. It's high enough. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very warm. It's toasty. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels so good in the winter, especially here in Chicago, since it oh. snows a lot. It's heavenly. It's so great. Yeah. So where were we? Um, That was your second item. That was my second item. Um, And then my third item was, oh, my adventure hat. Oh, please tell me about this. So I do a lot of traveling. I Mm -hmm. work four to five days a week, but mostly four days a week. And so I pretty much have a long weekend every weekend. Yeah. I have four days a week work um so I try to get out of Chicago on weekends when I have three days off and I'll just like fly somewhere domestic for the most part um and typically I go with no plans or sometimes I go to like visit a friend and stay with them yeah sometimes I just go because I want to see a new place and I have no plans right and every time I travel I bring a hat with me and so for the longest time I brought a green Patagonia hat with me, yeah. a men's Patagonia hat, and I actually found it on my college campus. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, score, this is an expensive hat, like, I'm just going like, to keep this. bright green, or? No, it's like, um, the poop green color. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice I, visual for all of you. Yeah, I'm sure there's a better term, but I, I've <laughs> That was it, the best. I've always called it poop green. It's like your backpack. Now I'm going to think of that every time I look at my backpack. Yeah. I liked it a little bit before. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, that was my original adventure hat. And that hat has been so many places with me. It's been on my hitchhiking adventure in Utah and in Colorado. It's been to Tokyo with me. Oh, wow. Um, it's been to Texas with me. It's been... All over the place, really. So that was my original hat. And for the longest time, I had been looking for a, a hat that would had more, like, character to it. Yeah. More of, like, in something that was very unique. Um, because Patagonia is pretty mainstream. Right. And I love Patagonia. I love that company. I think it's a great company. But I just wanted something that was different. Yeah. And that stood out a bit more. So I searched and I searched. I actually went to Texas to go to a hat store to look for a hat, like the one that I was looking for. That's why you specifically went to Texas? Yes, that's why I went to Texas. (laughs) And I couldn't find one there. And so I went to Colorado and I found one in Colorado. But they didn't have my size. And... They were like, oh, you can come back in a week and pick it up, and we'll have one in stock. And I said, well, I don't live here. <laughs> like, I just came to come to this hat store. So I ended up finding this dream hat of mine in Chicago, ironically. 
and I found it on a day when I had dinner reservations with a friend. Uh-oh. So um, they were still like cleaning up the table and they told us that we had to wait for a few minutes. So we were just walking down the street and I saw a hat store and most of the hats from the outside looked like straw sun hats, yeah. which wasn't what I was really looking for. But I decided to go in because we had some time to kill. Yeah. And I said, hey, do you, do you guys have any hats that are like, I don't know, very unique, distinct kind of adventure looking? Um, and they were like, we have one hat that I think you might like. And the woman pulled it out from the back and I started freaking out. Like I almost cried because it was so perfect. It was exactly what I was looking for. And... I bought the hat. It was it costed an arm and a leg, but it was so worth it. What does the hat look like? It's your adventure hat now. Yes. Um it's kind of a round oval shaped hat. You know what? I'll show you a picture. I know okay. it's not gonna help the people who are listening to this, <laughs> but maybe you can describe it a little bit better than I can. Maybe possibly. So oh nice. Yeah. It's brown and it's like I don't know. How would you like, explain it? I don't know. Wow. Um, it's like, I like that the other person in the photo has a hat on as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I almost feel like the top is like a cowboy hat. Yeah. And then the bottom is just round. Like the it could brim, be a sun hat. Right. The brim is pretty flat. But it's a yeah. it's short. It's not as long as a sun hat. You might be. see it at Urban Outfitters. True. Yeah. But I know this is your adventure hat. Like It's <laughs> like the things that Urban Outfitters have that kind of mock what like yeah. the adventures or would have I feel almost. like you would you could find it in like a vintage store yes or, or in a vintage store that is a very nice hat yeah. wow. so it's great oh good I'm glad I, I asked it. that question and got to hear about your hat yeah so that's <laughs> the third item okay um, yeah did you have that bike touring with you or no was that I after? actually just bought this hat like two months ago okay yeah, all right ago. well that's another thing will you tell people how old you are. Oh, yeah. I'm 18. You're 18. So when I biked across the country, I was actually 17. And people, when that, when I tell people that, they're always like, wait, what? Like, aren't you in high school when you're 17? Yeah. So I actually graduated from high school a year early um, for a lot of reasons. Not The bike trip wasn't one of the reasons, mm-hmm. but I graduated early and I did this bike trip. I actually flew to the West Coast. I, that's where I started. Okay. I flew out there the day after my graduation. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, I was ready to leave. <laughs> yeah. I'm really ready. Um, I was not sure what order that we do these stories in because there's two things I want to talk to you about. One, backpacking, and one, the biking story. But I think we should just start with the bike story. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a really good starting point. So what made you want to bike across the country in the first place Okay, at 17 years old? A lot of people ask me this, and it all started when I was talking with a really good friend and trying to figure out summer plans. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both pretty adventurous. We like to travel and see new places, and we get along really well. So I figured, you know, why not? traveled together this summer yeah and so at this point we really had no idea what we wanted to do whatsoever like we we had ideas of you know going to Europe or South America right we we had no idea what we wanted to do essentially but what we didn't want to do was something mainstream we didn't want to go on like a cruise and 
go party with people in the Bahamas. Like, yeah. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to do something a little bit different. Right. So that's when she proposed the idea of um, doing a road trip across the United States and, like, visiting every state capital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool, but I don't drive. Yeah. So you would have to drive the entire way. Mm-hmm. And I don't like sitting in cars either, so it doesn't sound too enjoyable for me. Right. And I also get car sick super, super easily. That sounds horrible for you. Um, so, it, yeah, things just started adding up, and it made it sound like an awful idea. So I told her, okay, well, that, that's a good idea to start from, but um, yeah. what about this? What if we bike across the country? At this point, I had no idea that anybody had ever done it. I was like, ooh, maybe I just invented something. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe I can make a trail out of this. And, right. And, yeah. So I Googled it and found out that there was a trail, the Transamerica Trail, mm-hmm. um, which is from the Adventure Cycling Association. And I told her, I said, look, there's, there's a trail, and it looks like people do this. A lot of people do this every single year. Not a lot, but people do it every year. Yeah. And I told her um, that they have maps, and we can just buy the maps, and the maps are very helpful. They show amenities, um, mm-hmm. gas stations, hostels, hotels, where to get food and water. And so I said, wow, this really sounds like the way to go. And she was like, okay. She was still still really interested even though she was never into biking as much as I was yeah so she told her mom and her mom freaked out (laughs) her mom was like there's no way you're doing that like I can't believe you even brought that up to me so at that point we had to go back to the drawing board and think new ideas and I suggested that she be my sag wagon and Mm -hmm rent a car and drive ahead of me and carry all my gear, my camping equipment, my food, stove, et cetera. So she was like, mm, okay. And she proposed that once again to her mom. And her mom was like, no, you're not doing that. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a really good idea. I would not have thought of that. So. Yeah. And so it ended up not working out with her, but that's essentially where I came up with the idea to okay. bike across the country. Oh, geez. Did you have any idea what it would be like? Was it anything like what you expected? Um, I went in without expectations for right. the most part. So I wasn't, I mean, I was surprised, but I wasn't super shocked um, because I had done a lot of research beforehand and watched a lot of YouTube videos yeah. and read blogs. And so okay. I, I think I was fairly well prepared right in that sense okay the one area where I was super unprepared was the actual biking because, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is the most important thing right. but I did no training right for Same. my trip well for, as soon as you get into it you you get yeah. trained up real fast oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> And this is a super cliche question, and I'm sure you've heard it a million times, as have I, but what did your parents say when you told them this idea? When I told them at first, they thought I was joking, and they were like, ha, that's funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> My you're parents crazy. Did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And 
So I was like, look, I'm being completely serious. I'm yeah. going to do this. And they finally realized that I was being serious. And they were like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You're still living under our roof. You're female. That's extremely dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. you can't be out there all alone. Um, yeah. And I responded and I was like, well, you know what? I don't really care what you, you, I don't care what you're saying. I'm still going to do it. Um, And uh, people find that very rebellious. Yeah. It was rebellious, but I've been known to be quite rebellious (laughs) in my teenage years. (laughs) And I had done a lot of research um, Mm -hmm. by the time I told them about it. So I was dead set on completing it. And I also had this feeling inside of myself, like, oh, oh my God, like, I really do need this for myself, just to be away from this island. I grew up on an island. Oh. In South Carolina. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a pretty small place to grow up. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided that it was time for me to really just be in other landscapes and I wanted some time to just think. I was, I was pretty confused about my life and what I wanted for myself in the future. Yeah. So I thought it would be really good for me to just think and be immersed in nature and be away from, I don't want to say civilization, because I, I was in plenty of civilization along the way, but be away from, I don't know, mainstream media and stuff like that. Right. Right, in the daily hustle and bustle right. of everything. Daily routine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so you're like... Parents, I'm doing this. And they're like, no, you're not. And you're like, yes, I am. And so you had done all this preparation and everything like that. How did it feel when you actually left the day after you graduated? The day after I graduated, when I left, okay, well, that day, I actually had a pretty late flight. So I didn't end up landing in on the West Coast until like, it was, I think, 12.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really late. And I landed in Eugene, Oregon, because oh, I, okay. I started in Oregon. And I actually had to sleep under a table that night. Where was the table at? It was by the carousel. In Eugene? Yes, okay. at the airport. Oh, and at the airport. There was a plastic table, and it had a black tablecloth on it. And... You know, they leave the lights on at the airport all night long. Right. So I decided, oh, well, my my sleeping pad and my tent, not, not my tent, my sleeping bag will fit perfectly under this table. Right. And the black um, tablecloth kind of serves as a curtain. Yeah. And so I slept under a table my first, my first nice. night. Nice. Good preparation for the rest of the trip. But, uh, yeah, people are like, why did you sleep under a table? But... It, time I was 17 and so I couldn't get a hotel room legally right by myself and there were no taxis it was pretty far from the city I couldn't walk to the city so yeah that was my only option and it was great um but going into it I, I guess that doesn't really answer your question going into it, <laughs> that's all right though that's really that's really interesting <laughs> yeah I actually have a picture I'll sh- I'll oh nice later. you definitely should we should post it with this yeah we should um Going into it, I felt prepared. Mm-hmm. I felt really good. Um, the first day when I left, there was not one part of me that was nervous or wow. anxious. I, it was 
very relieving to leave, actually. Yeah. yeah. It was a breath of fresh air, so. Wow, that is super amazing. Yeah. So after you left, what was life on the road kind of like? I mean, what was your daily schedule? Were you by yourself most of the time? What was going on? So there was really no schedule. Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, after being on a schedule constantly for the entire my entire life, essentially, being in school, yeah. I was like, okay, there's going to be no schedule on this trip. Right. Um, but for the first few days, I was alone, biking, um, and yeah, it, it was great. I didn't listen to music at this point in my trip because I was still getting used to um, just being on the road, you know, being Mm -hmm. close to cars, riding on little to no shoulders. And so I figured it would be safer just not to listen to music or have headphones in at all. And so everyone knows this isn't like a trail, like a bike trail that you would take. There is no trail. You are on the road. Yes. Just on normal roads. They've just put together what roads would work best for you to bike. Yes. Right. That's a good good point. Yes, because I know when I saw it, I was like, trail, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. It's not no like trail. most trails that you're thinking of. No. Um, so, yeah, the first few days I was alone, and then I met these two girls, Erica and Callie, mm-hmm. at a bike hostel in uh, a little town in Oregon, in the okay. middle of nowhere in the desert. I can't remember. Mitchell. Mitchell, Oregon. Okay. Um, and so we met there, and I was just talking with them, and I was pretty relieved because I had run past a few people on my trip at this mm-hmm. point, going in the opposite direction or going in the same direction, but they were all men. Yeah. And seeing them, these two females at a bike hostel, <laughs> made me so excited. I was right. absolutely elated. So... I obviously spent a lot of time talking to them that night, and we hung out, and I asked them, I said, hey, like, you guys are going in the same direction as me. Do you want to maybe ride together tomorrow? And we ended up riding together the next day, and we all, we all clicked really, really well. Yeah. We got along super well, so we actually ended up doing the entire trip together. Right. And it was unplanned. There was never a point where we discussed, like, whether or not we would all continue together. It yeah. just kind of happened. Like, our conversations were great, and yeah. Do you know if they started together? I don't remember. They started together. They started mm-hmm. together. They knew each other before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you just kind of joined in there. Yeah. That's super amazing. So I met you three when we got to Wyoming, and I was couch surfing. With Hans Yes. Peterson. Yes, exactly. Yes, I remember that. And I was really excited because I hadn't been around too many feminine people. Uh-huh. And I was couch surfing at his house for like four or five days. I can't remember why it was so long. And he's like, oh, two other people who are bike touring are coming. And I was like, yes, femme folks. And it was really nice. And it was a big relief to talk to all of you, too. Yeah. And see you doing it. And then I was amazed that you were so young and that you had started it out by yourself, <laughs> which is just amazing. Um, so, okay, I was going to ask you different things like very cliche questions, but I know they're super interesting to me. Okay. Were there parts that were difficult for you? And if there were, what were they? Of course. You mean physically or mentally? Both. Any. Okay, so... 
Yeah, the most challenging part for me um, physically was, well, there's this one day that stands out to me. <laughs> I had been drinking a lot in yeah. a bar the previous night, and it was in Colorado, and the owner of the bar was passing out cookies. Uh-oh. I did not know they were edibles. So Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Me, me being, like, really hungry on this bike trip all the time, I was like, ooh, I'll take three of them. Yeah. <gasps> oh, no. And so, yeah. In the following day. <laughs> wow. Okay, so can – wow. When you take edibles, they're – very intense. So you ate yes. three cookies. And I was already drunk. <laughs> How were you just, did you just pass out? Were you still so functioning? I don't remember anything after eating the cookies. I bet you don't. But oh, Callie, gosh. one of the girls, was with me at the bar. And so we ended up leaving. And I was fine at this point. Um, we got to the hotel, went to bed, whatever. And apparently oh, no. I woke up to like a giant puddle of throw up <laughs> on oh, the bed. Nice. And I felt so bad because I had no idea like any, I did not know anything. Like, I yeah. knew, the last thing I remember was sitting at the bar. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. But the following day was really challenging because it was the tallest climb on no. the entire trip. The That's ele- awful. The elevation was like, I have a picture somewhere. It was 11,000 or 12,000 some odd feet. Um. And so that's really high, and you know I don't do well with elevation, <laughs> especially after you've eaten three cookies the night before. Exactly, and so I was like hungover and just still not feeling right. Were you groggy and yes, out of it? Groggy, like super tired, dehydrated. Yeah, it was the worst. Oh no! Yeah, how did you make it up the hill? I, I would have just. So slow. I wouldn't have. I literally think I was going like one or two miles an hour. It was so slow to the point where I thought I was gonna like fall off my bike. I like I could have walked faster. Yeah, yeah. But I was pedaling so slow. Just going. It was brutal, and I was breathing so heavy because of that altitude. Did yeah. the other two wait for you? So Callie was pretty hungover that day too, I think. So yeah. we were like riding really slow together. Yeah. Erica doesn't drink, so she was like at she's, the top. She's like bye. She was at the top like probably an hour before us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh dang! But you made it up, and we then made it. Was the descent as steep as the climb? Um. Well, the the climb was only steep for like the last three miles. Okay. So it really wasn't bad, but that's. That's the part when I really suffered. Yeah. The descent, let me think. I don't think it was super steep. It was kind of like, you know, steep for a little bit and then pretty flat and steep again. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. So what are your best memories? Are they like stories like this? Are they when you met people? Are they when um, things that you didn't expect would happen? What's kind of your fondest memories from this trip? My fondest memories are times when I met people. Yeah. Yeah. And places that I found very appealing. Okay. Like uh, the Teton Mountains. Yeah. Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I absolutely fell in love with. Yeah. Like, it's probably my favorite mountain range in the country. And why is that? It's absolutely breathtaking. I mean, and then there's that beautiful lake, the Blue Lake. Um, It's so picturesque. Yeah. 
and the town is just so outdoorsy, which I, I really love. There are a lot of seasonal workers there, which are very cool. I get along with people like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's That's just a beautiful right. town. And it's, I can't remember exactly what somebody told me about it, but there's a regulation um, on how big the town can get. So at oh. this point, it's pretty much maxed out on how large it can be. Yeah. So th- there's no worry when it comes to, um, you know, is this town going to be really developed in a few years? Right. Or really developed and super crowded? Well, no, because there's a regulation. It can't be. Yeah. Do you think you want to live there one day? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I would do seasonal work there. Okay. I don't think I would live there. That's a good compromise. Yeah. That's a very good compromise. Cool. So you met all these people and saw all of these places. Yeah. What did you take out? Or no, go ahead. Tell me well, what you're going to say. I was going to say um, that one day that I talked about was a challenging day, but there were two other um, instances that were super challenging for me on this trip. Oh, okay. And one of them was the Ozarks. All right. Um, which is actually the oldest mountain range in the U.S. And a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that until I started biking on the Ozarks. Yeah. But since they're so old, the uh, mountains are super compressed. Mm-hmm. And from all the years of buildup. So they're super, super steep. And the Ozarks are not like the Rockies where you have these big climbs and you get to the top and then you just descend for like an a solid hour. Yeah. It's completely different. It's more of hills. Okay. But for some reason, it's a mountain called a mountain range. Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah. So it was super, super hilly. And, I mean, these hills were small but so steep to the point where you get to the top. It takes out all of your energy to get to the top. Not to mention, it was like 102 degrees oh, and super, wow. super humid when we were in the Ozarks. So, yeah, you get to the top, you're dead, and then you're like, okay, phew, we get to descend down this hill now, and hopefully it will carry us up the next hill, right. at least, like, halfway. Well, the, f- the hills are just so steep that it doesn't even carry you up the oh, next no. one. So you're constantly working, and in the heat, it was absolutely brutal, and there wasn't much around, so water was pretty... Um, not available yeah. very often. Yeah, pretty scarce. Yes. Oh, my. Um, that was hard. And then the Appalachian Mountains mm-hmm. were a lot more challenging than I thought they would be because they're so much steeper than a lot of other mountain ranges. And it reminded me of the Rockies in the sense that it's kind of a long ascent yeah. and descent. Um but it reminded me of the Ozarks and how steep it was. So overall, I would say the East Coast has a lot steeper mountains, mm-hmm. steeper mountain ranges in general, um, while the West Coast has more of, you know, longer ascents and descents. Okay. And a lot of people, I mean, a very small population of the world, do these bike tours. Um, so... A lot of people, I don't think, have a very good sense of what that can be like to bike up that all day. But you climb sometimes for hours, correct? Right. Yeah, it's like not just like, 
oh, three miles, we're going up. It's like hours of putting in work to get up the mountain ranges. Yeah. And you're exerting really so much energy that you have to eat. Like I was, I think I was eating like at least every two hours. I would yeah. stop and have like a bar or some bananas or a spoonful of peanut butter or whatever. Right. But you have to maintain that energy or else you will just crash. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you were vegetarian for this whole trip, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Okay, because you mentioned that you're vegan now, and I was like, I didn't know that. So that was really cool. Yeah. But I thought when I met you that you said you were vegetarian too. Do you think that was hard at all during this trip? Being vegetarian? Yeah. No. Um, I think if I would have tried to be vegan on the trip, it could have gotten challenging in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of vegans don't – I feel like a lot of vegans um, – they, they're able to figure it out. They're really good with stuff yeah. like that when they're in remote places. But in some places, I honestly just can't see how a vegan could eat anything. There there were a few towns, I recall, where all there was was like a little gas station. Yeah. And that was considered their grocery store, too. Yeah, that was store. their grocery store. Yeah. And, yeah, there just wasn't much like produce and fresh stuff and as a vegan that's what I try to thrive on right like the fresh fruits and vegetables um definitely and so yeah yeah I think that when I was bike touring and I didn't hit all these different sections but um I wasn't eating a lot of fresh stuff because a lot of those were convenience stores so it was like a lot of cliff bars um or bananas that they had at the grocery or the gas station or whatever it was. If they do have something, it's like either bananas or apples and they're not of the highest quality. Yeah, they are not of the highest quality. So it was, it was, I never had problems finding food that was all Mm plant-based, but it wasn't always my first selection. It wasn't always the freshest produce and different things like that. So, but that's awesome that you did it and you were vegetarian at the same time. Um, so this is also a very big question, but what did you take out of that trip being 17 years old? Were you still 17 when you finished this trip? Yes. Mm-hmm. How does that change your life when you're 17 and you just biked across the entire United States? Well, I did not expect it to leave as profound of an experience as it did. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I can say it's the best thing that I've done thus far in my Aww. life. And it's it's been a year since I've done it. And I'm yeah. sure I'll, I'll have plenty more adventures in my future because um, I already have so many ideas in my head. But it's definitely left a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I think for the biggest thing is that I feel like I found myself. And mm-hmm. that sounds so cliche when I say that. <laughs> it is. But... Isn't that what everyone's trying to do, though? Yeah. So, I mean, that's amazing. It, it, it was a wonderful feeling. Prior to the trip, I, you know, I graduated early from high school. I scrambled to apply to colleges, and I didn't really spend a whole lot of time, like, researching where I wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And it was more about, I need to go to school because that's what everybody's doing, so I need to apply to colleges. and do what every other American does after they graduate from high school. Yeah. It was like that. And the bike trip just made me realize that I have my entire life to do all these things. And there's no reason why I should feel like I have to follow society's rules. Right. Um, And I also learned that a lot of 
people in European countries after they graduate, they're encouraged to take a year off and travel yeah, before definitely. they decide if they want to go to college or not, university. Um, so that that was definitely a big thing for me. And yeah, I mean, I I think this is how I found my passion for traveling. Yeah. That's another important one. And I want to devote a large portion of my life to traveling because it's so rewarding in so many ways. You learn so much. So much. And it's it's just a beautiful thing to be able to see the world. Um, my curiosity expanded so much, and I found a love for being outside. Yeah. I know that I can be alone for long periods of time now, just sitting on my bike and thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful experience. Yeah, I've done so much traveling since my trip, and I try to travel, like, at least once or twice a month. That's awesome. That's a lot of travel. That takes me right in to the next story that I really wanted to share with people. I just think this is the coolest thing ever. So you told us a story about how you flew to Utah and you had no plan. And we started talking about this because we're talking about hitchhiking. So can you just... Off in the midst of nothingness and unknowing Follow the compass light my heart is showing This is Amani, and I will be doing the closeout for this episode of Wonder People. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I'm sure that you enjoyed the episode, right? Because it's excellent material. You so. didn't listen to it still. <laughs> so anyway, I'm doing my job. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you enjoy this podcast, then definitely look out for the next episode where we'll be talking more about Nicole's story. And a little bit of the louder parts of that story with um, all the hitchhiking that Nicole's been doing. Yeah. So, yeah, with that, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a lovely day. Goodbye.